land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Children can run free. So take my hand and walk this land with me. And walk. Good evening. Welcome to Yada Yada. My pleasure to be with you. We have Kirk and uh, and Dee with us uh, this evening. Uh, I have both uh, good news and bad news this evening. The uh, the good news is that um, uh, Jackie, working with David, uh, uh, trying to develop an idea that uh, my wife Leah had uh, uh, maybe a year ago, which was to change the image on the homepage to a menorah that, uh, that, that spun and that the, uh, the candles uh, lit and, and it uh, directed your attention to each uh, of the seven Moed Mikra as they relate to the seven uh, luminaries on the menorah. Uh, it uh, has been done in, an, in a video animation that is soon going to make an appearance on the Yada Yada site. I, I got to see it uh, both in full screen uh, from the creator and also uh, on a uh, on a test site and uh, it's really a, a beautiful addition so sometime in the next <laughs> few days I think you'll be able to see uh, that uh, menorah uh, on the home page replacing the uh, the crowned uh, lion uh, that's the uh, that's the good news uh, the um, uh, bad news is that um, uh, yeah I am gradually and partially emerging from hell to bring you this program. And I have been doing so now for uh, several weeks, although uh, this week and particularly today, the sojourn into uh, hell was far deeper and far darker. Um, yeah. I, it, it is flabbergasting, actually, uh, that rabbis and pastors and priests have... Ezekiel as a prophet, and uh, and his Lord is God. That is the most yes. demented piece of trash ever uh, perpetrated in the name of God. And listen, I mean, I am an expert on perverted trash. Um, I've written the most comprehensive analysis of the Quran, and I've probably yes. written the most comprehensive denunciations of Paul. 
and his letters. When it comes to uh, false prophets and their disgusting attempts at, uh, at distinguishing themselves and their false gods, uh, I have some credentials. But I, I, I've stammered. Um, I'm stunned that Ezekiel found its way into the midst of, uh, of what people call the Bible and that he is considered a prophet and that uh, people give credence to the New Jerusalem and the Magog War and the images that he claims are of uh, God that he saw in Babylon. Uh, and I, I'm going to leave it at, at this is that the, I think I mentioned last week that the 16th chapter of, uh, of Ezekiel um, was the worst thing I'd ever read. Yeah. Well, I can no longer say that. Yeah. <laughs> because the 23rd chapter of Ezekiel makes the 16th look like we're, uh, we're going to a Girl Scout camp. And uh, maybe somebody stubbed their toe and, oh boy, it hurt. No, they, the 23rd chapter is, uh, is something that is just beyond the pale. Um, and it has tormented women, and particularly Jewish women, for 2,500 years. Um, but it is so difficult to translate and write. And I mean, the words are all simple. It's, uh, I mean, Ezekiel's vocabulary is, is uh, very limited. His grammar is horrible. Uh, but, you know, I've been doing it now for a few weeks. Uh, I don't think I'm... 450 pages into it, uh, you know, it's uh, certainly not challenged uh, by the translations. What I'm challenged by is the content, and uh, yeah. it's it is just really perverse. So anyway, uh, it won't be very long before we present a um, an, an in process version of uh, what is. Uh, the Babel volume, it's volume two of, uh, of Babel, volume one of, of Babel is on Daniel, uh, volume two is on Ezekiel. And they, both of them will go uh, towards the end of the website, they'll go um, after coming home and before questioning Paul is where they'll be positioned, which means that the current volume nine of, of uh, Yada Yah, which is uh, is the published volume currently on Daniel. Uh, it's going to get uh, rebranded as part of the Babel series, of which there will be two volumes. I don't know at this point if, uh, if I will have the wherewithal to, uh, to continue this through um, March uh, and April uh, if I do the entire book. I think I can uh, complete a five six hundred page book by the by sometime in february which is my current uh goal but to do that uh, somewhere along the line i'm going to have to stop uh, translating and commenting on every chapter and verse uh, but between now and then we are going to uh, to post it uh, the first i think seven now chapters have been uh, triple edited most of them triple written and triple edited um and i think we're just going to have to figure out how we're going to handle this current chapter. I, I'm, I'm not certain that uh, the edit team is uh, uh, wants to or she should be exposed to it. Uh, so I might have to come up with a with a 
if they don't want to have to endure it because it's really, really harsh. Um, yeah. a, a way to get it uh, uh, presentable and and, um, and then um, decide how we uh, present uh, this book. But um, if there ever was a must-read for mature individuals who, particularly for women, who have been yeah. subjugated by religion, uh, Christians uh, who for any, any one of the various sects have been abused uh, by uh, religious parents or a religious uh, husband or mm-hmm. someone in a, uh, in a religious uh, uh, cult of one kind or another, uh, or Herodim women who are really uh, badly uh, taken advantage of by uh, men or uh, Muslims who were a Muslim woman has no rights. Uh, the, the primer on how to abuse women religiously was authored by Satan, and it is found in Ezekiel. Um, yes. So um, Ezekiel, as it turns out, is exactly what Yahshua said would occur. Uh, Yahweh right. inspired uh, uh, Yahshua in the first, oh, 13 chapters to explain the consequence of his people being religious. And then he said in the birthplace of religion, Babylon, that Satan would rise uh, and that he would pervert God's testimony to the point where he would be perceived as God. And then in Ezekiel, we're watching it happen. So Yahshua explains what would happen. Ezekiel is exactly how it has happened and uh, yep. so it's a uh first a one to order. take ezekiel to task really well i and think divorce it, them from Yahweh. yeah i think um divorcing ezekiel from Yahweh and from his prophets and from his people and from uh, women uh, liberating everyone from its curse is a exceedingly important thing to do Unfortunately, there is no way to do it without being willing to go into hell. It's like the Don Quixote song. I'd be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. Well, dealing with Ezekiel is that very thing. All right. We're going to go directly to where we were at the end of last week's program. We had just covered the first statement in Hosea 1, Hosea uh, 4.1. The fourth chapter of, of Hosea, of Hosea, is one of my very favorites. So we are embarking on something that I think is, uh, is extraordinary. The book of Hosea was written for a singular purpose. And the purpose, well, well it is a complex series of thoughts let me share with the, uh, our listeners the purpose again, and then we'll, we'll turn to the text of the fourth chapter of Hosea. Yahweh uh, had done everything he could to explain to his people that he was overtly anti-religious, and that so long as they were religious or political, and were unwilling to walk away from the influence of Babylon, where Religion was institutionalized and integrated into the uh, government. That so long as they continued to reflect the religious ways of the Goyim, 
that they would not be able to have a relationship with him, that ultimately they would be estranged. And so his Torah explains that, his prophets explain that. And by the time we reach uh, Hosha, Yahweh is exasperated. He says, I've done everything I can do. You know, with Yahshua, he says, I, I, just, I ran out of options. There, no one, there's just no one who is capable or willing to listen to me and share my message with my people. So without anybody that I can speak through, without a willing ear even among my people, I have no other option to say goodbye for a very long time. It would be a 2,700-year timeout, all for bad behavior. Yeah, I was saying, I'm going to have to divorce you. I'm going to have to separate myself from you. I can't tolerate you anymore. I haven't stopped loving you. I haven't stopped wanting to form a relationship with you, but you're not making it possible. And no matter what I do, you are making it worse. So I'm just going to stop doing it for a while, for a very, very long while. You're not going to hear from me. There's no one that I can talk through. There's no one that's willing to listen to me. So we're going to have a very, very long timeout. And while there would be a, uh, a few prophets after uh, Hosha, the last of which were uh, Zachariah, remember Yah, and Malachi, messenger. Since that time, it's been complete silence. Total and complete silence. And Jews have gone further and further away from God. As a matter of fact, now if you were to ask a, uh, a Jewish individual, what does it mean to be Jewish? The majority of them are not going to speak of their ethnicity, of their race, but instead of the religion of Judaism. In fact, I just uh, saw a program they were talking about how uh, if you uh, Googled the uh, definition of Jew, it, would, uh, it came out as a verb that meant to, uh, to Jew somebody down, to uh, unfairly negotiate with them. And, uh, of course, Jews had a, uh, a field day over that, and the new title is, uh, um, is someone who ascribes to the religion of Judaism. We've I gone from that. wrong, wrong to wrong. And if you were to ask uh, Jews, what is your real name? Some would know that they are Yaud. Yaud, in the plural. And if you say, what does that mean? There's probably not one in 100,000 that would know what it means. Right. But Yaud uh, means beloved of Yah, related to Yah. And beloved of Yah, relate to Yah, and that will proudly, confidently, lovingly, respectfully convey Yahweh's name. That's how far they have gone away from God. And so, Hosha's primary message is. Um, Having been asked to marry a temple prostitute, I want you to know that this is how God views Israel, religious horse. Now, 
since I'm translating the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel has an entirely different adaptation of whore. From his point of view, a prostitute is someone who uh, um, engages in sex. From God, the primary audience for his title of uh, adulterous prostitute are men. And he's not accusing them of being sensual or sexual, but instead religious. And that is the theme throughout uh, the book. So Yahweh says, I'm going to have to essentially forget all about you. That's all I can do. You've forgotten about me. I, I, I can't continue to pursue you. And there. There is a happy ending to this story. It's just many, many millennia, well, not many millennia, but many centuries out, 27 centuries out, almost three millennia. And it isn't for everyone, but a very, very small number of Yehudim who will celebrate the Day of Reconciliations with Yahweh. Um, that today is quickly approaching. It is here now as we uh, are on this transition between 2022 and 2033. We are coming within a, uh, a little more than a decade of God's return. And so the book speaks prominently of the resolution of the estrangement and the end of the divorce. That is the book of Hosea. All right, so let's jump back into uh, Hosea, the fourth chapter. Listen to the word that is translated, transliterated, I should say, as instructed by his Torah teaching regarding his Haya existence. Children of Yisrael. Yahweh sees Yisrael as his children. They are the offspring of those who struggle and contend with God and also individuals who engage and endure with the Almighty. That is what Yish Sarael means. For it is certain that Yahweh has a dispute. He has a grievance, a rib, a quarrel against the inhabitants of the land and earth, Ha-Eretz. This is because there is no honesty or integrity. Ain emeth. No truth, validity, no veracity, certainly no dependability, or consistency. No devotion or sense of loyalty. No genuine love, kindness, goodness, or affection for the relationship. No understanding or thoughtful insights pertaining to and diat. No knowledge, judgment, or discernment needed to comprehend God within the land or on the earth, Baha Eretz. Hosha 4.1. That's, wow, that's a lot. They use that word imagine all the time. It begins with Shama. Shama is the is one of the four verbs, two of which are fundamental, two of which are secondary, that Yahweh deploys 
constantly uh, relative to his Torah and prophets. Shema does not mean obey. It means to listen, to hear. Listen to. Now, how are you going to listen to the word of Yahweh? Yeah, recite it. Read it out loud. Let it resonate in your ears. Let the, the words that he spoke to us through his prophets form in your mouth. Listen to this program. We share them. But you can read from any one of the 25 or 26 books that have been posted on the Yada Yah site. Go to yadayah.com. Everything's free. You don't have to sign up. You don't, not only don't have to donate, you're not even allowed to donate. Every book on that shelf is free in its entirety, plus an enormous amount of support material also free. In fact, we, we had uh, one of, uh, of uh, our contributors, uh, someone who posts the, uh, these uh, shows and, and other uh, things uh, on, I think it was YouTube or, or someone's using a, um, a tool to do so, which is what they should do. And that particular tool won't allow anyone to do it free because, you know, the world always wants to make a nickel. And, and so he was making, you know, I think over the past year, he, he, he made enough that might buy a cup of cappuccino at a Starbucks. And he felt badly. He says, you know, we're, we're supposed to be doing this for free. And, and I've got this like 14 bucks or something, or, you know, 25 bucks. I don't know what it was. And he says, okay, okay, well, that, that's all right. Not, not a problem, you know. Um, but we do. We we offer uh, what we have learned as freely as the systems allow us to, to do so. Um, online, it is completely free. Okay? Whatever you want to read is up to you. And yeah. uh, if you choose the printed books at uh, at Amazon, Amazon uh, does not work for free. Uh, they uh, they do charge uh, for their printing. They do charge for their indirectly for their shipping. Uh, but for the cost of printing and for shipping, you can get the books because we do not charge a royalty. So right. they are there for, for you if you want to listen to Yahweh. But if you're going to listen to Yahweh, you have to set down your Bible. It's not where you're going to find his voice. You're going to have to close your New Testament should you have one. You'll have to toss away the Talmud and the, uh, the Zohar and most certainly the Quran and the Book of Mormon. You're not going to hear God's voice in any of those. You're going to hear God's voice when the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms are properly translated. And that's what we've attempted to do in the lingua franca of the world, the most popular language and the most uh, commonly spoken language in the history of humankind, even among Jews. Listen to the word, Debar, the message, the communication, and the count the spoken and written witness of Yahweh. Yahweh is not a uh, difficult name to pronounce, despite what the religious would have you believe. The Y in Yahweh is pronounced exactly as we would pronounce the vowel consonant Y in English, like in the word yes. Mm-hmm. The ah sound is given to us through well, it's probably a thousand words, maybe two or three thousand words in Hebrew. It's the most common vowel of all the Hebrew uh, vowels. The ah sound 
pronunciation of Torah, do they? The ah sound at the end of Torah is from the hey. Uh, Yahweh, when he introduced himself, uh, he used the verb haya, which means to exist. And haya is hey, yod, hey, haya. So it's yah. And then the middle vowel is uh, pronounced like we pronounce the uh, the W in English. In English, a W is a uh, vowel consonant, just as is the Y. And if you look in English, a disproportionate number of Y or W words are pronounced O, oath, own, owl. You know, it's over and over and over again. So many of them. Pow, you know. Uh, Oh, it's it's commonly pronounced from the Hebrew legacy. And again, you take the word Torah. The O sound in Torah is from a wa. What is the most commonly repeated Hebrew word? Shalom. The O sound in Shalom from a wa. Hey, again, is the last letter. It isn't complicated. All four letters in Yahweh's name, one of which is repeated, our vowels. There's five vowels and 17 consonants among the 22 Hebrew letters. It is Yahweh. Children of Yisrael, we explained that a moment ago. For it is certain that Yahweh has a dispute and grievance against the inhabitants of the land and the earth. Well, wouldn't you want to know why Yisrael, Israel, why almost no one on earth seems to have a relationship with Yahweh, where they don't know his name, where they don't know what he is offering, where they don't know what he is asking in return. Wouldn't you want to know? Yep, I do. So Yahweh says, I have a dispute, a grievance, a rib. Then he explains it. What is my problem with you? Three things. No honesty. No loyalty, uh, no understanding. One, two, three. No honesty, no integrity, no truth, no validity, no veracity, no certainty, no dependability, no consistency. You got none of it. You got religious faith, which is disgusting. No devotion, no sense of loyalty, no love for the relationship. and no understanding, no thoughtful insights pertaining to God. You just don't know me. You're not even honest in your search for me. And it's for darn sure you don't love me. I didn't say, you know, my problem with you is you're not religious enough. No, the problem is you're too damn religious. He didn't say your problem is you don't believe. No, the problem is that you do believe. Stop believing. Start knowing. Start understanding. And that's the difference between the review that I'm doing of Ezekiel and the religious rubbish that's out there. Dealing with the words as they exist. This was what was said, and it's wrong. As impactful as Yahweh's revelation through Hosea has been through the first three chapters, 
there may be no more influential revelation within the prophets than what lies before us in the fourth chapter of Hosea. God is giving his people yet another opportunity to avoid the plague of Judaism by listening to him. It is the cure for religion. This is the antidote for what ails the human condition. You know, God says, I am set apart. I am uncommon. What is the most common thing in our world today? Well, 99% of people are religious. Sure. And an equal number are political. So if you're going to step away from the babble of humanity, you're going to have to disassociate from both of those things. Yahweh's grievance with Israel goes well beyond them neither knowing or understanding it. He is perturbed because in the midst of their chronic ignorance, they claim otherwise. If they had simply ignored him, well, tragic, wasteful, it would have been not nearly as injurious as pretending otherwise. I mean, the most disgusting people on the planet today are rabbis. Oh, they are so full of themselves, pretending to be righteous and to speak for God, and they're the most disgusting human beings on the planet without a single thing to say that is even remotely accurate pertaining to God. True. And to see them empowered in this Netanyahu government, well, it's about as disgusting an experience as reading Ezekiel. Having written voluminous religious tomes, claiming to have been inspired by God, Yahweh is telling us that rabbis lack integrity. He is speaking of his people. Yeah, I understand. I wrote the books, the four volumes of Questioning Paul. I put my life on the line to write Prophet of Doom and then promote it on some 10,000 hours of talk radio. I understand that Islam is disgusting. And God hates both. But there is no religion that God despises more than Judaism. Because Judaism has done more to harm his people and his relationship with them than any other. Yes. God doesn't spend a lot of time talking to Goyim. He talks a lot about Goyim and says, you know, they're really rotten. You ought to not emulate what they're doing. But he doesn't spend a lot of time talking to Goyim. He spends a lot of time, did, past tense, speaking to the Israelites and Yehudim. And therefore, when he addresses the problems of his people, he's speaking problems of Judaism, whether you like it or not. He's saying that rabbis are dishonest, they're devoid of veracity and validity. They aren't even consistent. In fact, if you want uh, ten opinions, ask two rabbis. In fact, I saw <laughs> the, uh, there are some Herodim, you know, a smattering of them that actually serve in the IDF, the, uh, the Jewish Defense Forces, the Israeli Defense Forces. And they were uh, having a Hanukkah party, you know, uh, yeah, who knows for what reason, because uh, the whole Hanukkah story is 
is of Maccabean uh, origins. It has nothing to do with God. It is uh, just a perverted uh, story on, uh, on making a menorah that is different from uh, Yahweh's and of corrupting something that was true into something that is religious. But nonetheless, here are these uh, Herodim, ultra-Orthodox Jews celebrating Hanukkah as part of an IDF festival. And a bunch of other Herodim wearing their disgusting little black hats and morning suits, come to attack them. Saying, how could you do this? It's, it's Greek of you to do it. You're, you're corrupting our religion by celebrating Hanukkah. You know, and of course, if I had been there, I said, so, you're coming here on behalf of a religion that was conceived in the Ukraine in the 1800s by a man who didn't even bother to write that everything is protected back on him, Balshelm Tove, and you want to pretend that I'm wrong because I'm honoring a festival of my people that goes back 2,300 years, and your damn religion is not even 300 years old. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Who's wrong here? Well, both of them. This is wrong. But one, yes. a big, you know, yeah, a big uh, rabbi that, you know, with his ugly beard, and he was gesturing and cursing, and his son, who couldn't have been more than 12, wearing his little black hat, is right there, man. He is giving it to him. You see, you are so brainwashed, you little squirt. God, just back out of the way. And if nothing else, be glad that there is actually a religious Jew that's willing to stand up and, uh, and fight for the security of, uh, of Israel, unlike you. Well, the fact is, um, huh. Jews are not consistent. There is nearly as many strains of Judaism as there are Jews. And, by the way, they hate one another. Hate them! Yes. I mean, uh, the Herodim, particularly now being promoted uh, into this, uh, uh, I don't know, what do you, what do you call it, but this uh, parliamentarian Turkey. agreement with uh, and consolidated government of, of Netanyahu are all fighting for, like even on, on immigration into Israel, you, right. they want only the rabbis to be able to determine who qualifies. And, of course, the rabbis are only going to allow rabbis that are Herodim and nobody yep. else so that no Orthodox Jew, no Reformed Jew is allowed to emigrate. Because why? Because the Herodim are breeding Power. like rabbits and they don't want any Jews coming in that will disrupt their claim to political authority. Right. Over the many years that I've been studying Yosha's test or Yahweh's testimony, I have uh, yet to find a single insight worth sharing. They may know many things, but when it comes to understanding, they are sorely lacking. One of the many reasons that the overwhelming preponderance of insights derived from the translations here in Yada Yahweh is unheralded is because those who focus on the Hebrew text are typically blinded by the religion. 
Yahweh's message is so hostile to Judaism that they're incapable, they're absolutely incapable of seeing the words for what they represent. To comprehend God's testimony, we must first come to know him. He and his words are one, inseparable, dependable, consistent and enduring, liberating and enlightening, uplifting. Rather than weave religion into the testimony, we do ourselves a service when we weed it out. Looking for commandments to obey, we should seek instructions that emancipate. Great line. Yeah. Since Yahweh stated that this deplorable condition negatively influences his people and that it would endure until rectified, with some finally changing their attitude during the last days, rabbinic Judaism is the problem. The next line reads, they will have sanctioned the curse of Allah. This is A-L-A-H with the Aleph. The Allah that is with the Ain is a verb that means to uplift. Well, the Allah with the Aleph uh, means to invoke divine restrictions, bans, punishments, speaks of curses, things that are lamentable, um, unreal relenting burials, yeah, the Allah in uh, Hebrew that is spelled the same way as the, the fictitious God of Islam is a very dark word. They will have sanctioned the curse of Allah. They will cringe in fear, bow in submission, and be disowned for their deceptions for promoting lies while annulling the relationship by being delusional. They will be murdered and they will be murderous. They will kill and be killed. They will steal, serotypically purloining that which belongs to another. They will be deceptively misleading, fraudulent thieves. Then by continually and demonstrably committing religious infidelity, they will break all bounds in the diaspora. And they will be plagued by shedding of copious amounts of blood. I uh, first read this in that in line. One of the things that struck me is that um, Jews have never been very good at uh, shedding the blood of others. Yeah, they, uh, they were one of the very few people that actually decimated a, uh, a Roman legion. But they did. Um, the, uh, the Maccabees, for a time, um, uh, overthrew, they were vicious, uh, some uh, Greek garrisons. Um, certainly, uh, in the last... Uh, 70 years or so, uh, Jews have been fairly adept at defending their homeland. But for the most part, the blood that Jews have shed has been their own. And I think that's what this means. And they've shed their blood because they haven't listened to Yahweh. A great example 
is the Assyrian assault on the northern kingdom of Israel versus the Assyrian assault on the southern kingdom of Yehudah, Judah. Mm-hmm. When the Assyrians uh, came uh, upon the northern kingdom, they demolished it. They depopulated it. They plundered it, and they took the surviving population away as slaves, and they disappeared into the ether of history. When they came back and decided that now we will sack and besiege and, and conquer the wealthiest of the, uh, of the cities, we will take Jerusalem, they ran into a little problem. It was called Pesach, Matzah, and Bakudim. Hezekiah had stumbled upon a copy of the Torah, and he read it and said, holy crap, are we in trouble? We got religious shit everywhere. We need to clean house. This is really bad. Not only do we have the Assyrians bearing down on us, we have no access to God. And, by the way, Passover is coming and we don't even know how to celebrate it. And so Hezekiah said, God, Yahweh, I get it. We need to get the idols out of the house. Then, after we stop being religious, we need to train some some Kohen, some priests, on how to properly present and discuss and and so that we can benefit from Passover, Matzah, and Bakorum. And oh, by the way, there aren't any on the train. They're, they're as clueless as I was yesterday. I can't do this in time for Passover. Can I have an extension? We want to get this right. Okay, says the, the intent, the understanding, is vastly more important than timing. Absolutely, you can have an extension. And he did. He removed all traces of religion from Yahuda and from Yahudim. And they celebrated Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim. That was their defense against 85,000 Assyrians, the most powerful military force on earth. Their defense was celebrating Chag Matzah with Yahweh. By the way, there isn't a rabbi on earth that even understands what Chag Matzah is. They've integrated Chag Matzah as part of Passover rather than Passover as part of Chag Matzah. And the issue is life and death. Eternity and Shamaim or Sheol is how essential that difference is. The Torah, no longer religious, and celebrating Chagmasa, Yahweh intervened. He killed every Assyrian soldier. There was no attack. With the northern kingdom, they were all hauled away into oblivion as slaves. With Jerusalem and Judea, with Hezekiah following the Torah's instructions, just as we're encouraging Yehudim to do today, The threat dissipated. They confronted the largest military force on earth by having a party with God. 
Wow. That's the love. I love that story. Yeah. Sure. And so they soon forgot the lesson. That's why Hosha was written. And since that time, they've shed their own blood. Mm. And the Romans were vicious to them. The Greeks were vicious to them. Oh, yeah. Yep. The Babylonians were vicious to them. Mm-hmm. The Muslims were vicious towards them. The Christians were vicious towards them. The Nazis were vicious towards them. Their blood has been shed. Egypt. Ukraine. So, yeah. This is Yahweh's follow on statement. It's Hosha 4 2. They will cringe in fear, bow in submission, and be disowned for their deceptions. They will be murdered and murderous. They will steal serotypically poor learning which belongs to another. And then they will continuously and demonstrably commit religious infidelity. They will break all bounds in diaspora, and they will be plagued by shedding copious amounts of blood. It is a scathing indictment of a Mm -hmm. consequence of rabbinic Judaism. And it is all actionable and demonstrable with one demeaning verb following another. Allah, kashach, ratach. Ganav, Na'af, Paras, and Naga. It's hard to imagine anything worse. In Hebrew, which is the basis of Arabic, Allah, Allah, is a pejorative. It means to curse, to invoke divine harm. Those who Allah bind themselves to a lamentable oath resulting in untold grief and endless burials. Allah is unfit and incapable, harmful and cursed. He is untruthful, such is the nature of false gods. Do not be fooled. Allah is not the Arabic word for God. God is similar in Arabic to its origin in Hebrew, albeit with an interesting twist. Ilah versus El, indicating that God is in Hebrew. Allah is one of four names ascribed in the Quran to the Islamic God. They are, in order of their chronological appearance, the Lord, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, and then Allah. And like Allah, curse, the other names are also derived from Hebrew. Lord is from Rabbah, greatly esteemed. Rahman is based on Rakam, loving and merciful, a womb of compassion. Rakim is the plural of Ra, which is from Ra and Ra'ah. It means evil companion, immoral associate, unethical neighbor, undesirable friend, loudmouthed fellow, and irrational shepherd. Amazing. With this in mind, consider the Islamic Basalama. Bismillah ar-Rahim ar-Rahim. In the name, Bahshem, of the God, Ilah, who loves Raham, evil associates, Rakhaim. 
ever the condescending one. Satan revealed his true nature in Islam, and nary a fool is wiser for it. And speaking of fools, the Quran is from the Hebrew word kara, to read and recite, neither of which Muhammad was capable of doing. Professor uh, this week was fired at a okay. at a uh, university because he taught a class on uh, Islamic art, and some of the pictures were from the I don't know 12th, 14th, 15th uh, century, and there were pictures uh, of Muhammad. Not that anybody even knew what Muhammad looked like, but anyway, there are pictures of somebody wearing a turban and say, "Oh, I'm Muhammad," and so the Islamic students called for his, him being fired, and he was fired. Wow. Yeah, pretty wild. Hosha <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. 4.2 That's is great. prophetic, with Yahweh blaming rabbis for their role in creating the curse of Allah 1,500 years in advance of their complicity. You heard that correctly. Wow. Hosha 4.2 is prophetic, with Yahweh blaming rabbis for their role in creating the curse of Allah 1,500 years in advance of their complicity. For those who have studied the Quran and Hadith, or have just read Prophet of Doom, you are aware that Muhammad paid rabbis in Yathrib for Talmud recitals, which he then, he then bastardized to create the Quran, twisting those stories to serve his perverted interests. The ink was not yet dry on the Babylonian Talmud, and the rabbis were hawking it for cash. And as a result, Jews would be kalash, cringe in fear and bow in submission while being disowned for the cringeworthy deceptions incorporated into the curse of Allah. Had Jews, rabbis, not sold their Talmud stories to Muhammad, which he then incorporated into Islam to make the Quran seem credible. Islam would not exist today. Yes, you can blame rabbis almost exclusively for the existence of Islam. In this prophetic statement, Allah was conveyed as a verb. It was written in the call infinitive. This means that the curse would be genuine and self-defining, palatable and ongoing. And in this regard, here is another uncomfortable truth. Islam was conceived in the rock-hewn city of Petra, due south of Jerusalem in the Becca Valley, in what is known as the Wadi Musa, just 101 miles, 162 kilometers south of Jerusalem not in Mecca. Petra, which was located between the northern tip of the Gulf of Aqaba and the southern shores of the Dead Sea, was within the Judean sphere of influence. By contrast, Yathrib, today's Medina, where the Quran began to sound like a twisted rendition of the Babylonian Talmud, was inundated with the Israelites. Their presence was a legacy of the northern kingdom and hauled into captivity by the Assyrians and not returning until they were booted out by Muslims following the establishment of Israel. Kakash is especially revealing. 
in a religious discussion. It means to deceive by telling lies and acting deceptively. It is to deny the truth. To kasash is to distort reality, to create a delusion or to promote an errant opinion. To hakash is to bow down in submission. In other words, to be religious. It is to cower in fear rather than out of respect. Kakash is to be beguiled and to being part of a worthless relationship as a direct result of having been conned and betrayed. The Kakash are disowned because they have been unfaithful. Further, since Ratash is written using the peel stem, we know that by lying, the rabbis would curse Jews, causing them to bow down in submission and cower in fear. In the infinitive mood, they would persist in their delusions and be defined by them. Rathach is to kill, to be killed, to murder and to be murdered. It is to be dashed by the sword and to be cut into pieces. Mm. Rathach is to be struck down, to be slain. Infinitive, it serves as a genuine indictment, which is self-defining, highly descriptive, actionable, demonstrable, and continual. The next on the list that ganab is to be a thief, stealing what belongs to another. Those who ganab are misleading and fraudulent, and since this was intended as an actual and ongoing depiction of rabbis, it was also conveyed in the call infinitive. Now that Yahweh has affirmed that by using Na'af, he is addressing religious infidelity and not marital carousing, we know that God is accusing rabbis of being unfaithful, unreliable, and disloyal. God does not ever criticize anyone for having more than one spouse. He doesn't criticize anyone for having a relationship outside of marriage. But he speaks consistently, forcefully, about those who engage in disloyal relationships with false gods. The rabbinical characteristics become undeniable, they're continue, they're self-defining, when cast under the call infinitive. Parats is actually much more sinister than simply break or broken. And while rabbinic Judaism is guilty of breaking the covenant with Yahweh, they actually say the covenant is with Judaism as opposed with to the descendants of Jacob. In this context, God is saying that their disloyalty and infidelity break all bounds. The betrayal is beyond comprehension. As a result, Yahweh is also predicting the diaspora, revealing that the Jewish propensity to rebel against him will lead to the people being scattered. It conveys to violently break down and to destroy something. Uh, Parat is a terrorist. It's someone who is hostile, operating in opposition, harming and killing others. These terrorists spread out and invade the world. They speak in such a way that encourages destructive and harmful behavior in others. To parats is to 
rebel against authority, and it's to rebel against Yahweh. To be Naga is to be stricken with a plague. Religion is Nagadam, a plague of death, a pandemic which results in the loss of life and the shedding of blood. The problem is and always has been religion. Religions are man-made constructs designed to elevate and enrich clerics and kings at the expense of many whom they seek to fleece and control. Yahweh hates them. He despises those who preach and promote religious deceptions. The very people who claim to be speaking for God are speaking against him, and it is universal. And while this is the most pervasive theme throughout the entirety of the prophet, goddamn religion, it is also prevalent within the Torah. Here is an excerpt from Korah, Leviticus 19. Yahweh spoke to sharing words with Moshe to convey, share the message with the entire community of eternal witnesses to the restoring testimony among Bene Yisrael, the children who engage and endure with God, saying to them, you should genuinely and continually be set apart. Be special and uncommon, for I, Yahweh, your God, am set apart, special and uncommon. Kodesh. Para called out Leviticus 19.2. To be set apart is to be removed from the prevalence of mankind's most common toxin, not forfeit your life to religion. The fact is, Israel did, establishing countless variations of Judaism. The people forfeited not only their birthright, but also the opportunity to serve as Yahweh's prophets and witnesses, conveying his eternal and restoring testimony. Among millions of Jews, uh, there would be fewer than 40 of them. And this is because they preferred listening to their religious leaders rather than the God of the relationship. Yep. Do not approach, turn to, or appear in the presence of false gods. Objects of worship are religious imagery. Do not engage on behalf of, perform an association with, or attempt to fashion for yourself gods which are cast or considered anointed. I am Yahweh, your God. God begged his people not to be religious. And yet, they defied him, becoming the only ethnicity indistinguishable from their religion. Talk about defiance. That's true. When a person says they are Jewish, it is typically an admission of the religion of Judaism. This condition is so pervasive, most people cannot distinguish between the two. This is not by accident, because the rabbis in charge of immigration into Israel use proof of adherence 
to ultra-Orthodox Judaism as their litmus test for eligibility. You should not make a habit of stealing, nor should you consistently feign obedience, obedience, act deceptively, convey that which is not true, or bear false witness. Do not lie to, mislead, or betray an individual within the community. Do not swear an oath or make a promise in my name which is deceptive, misleading, or false, and in so doing profane, defile, and dishonor the name of your God. I am Yahweh. The religious all feign obedience. Oh, they're good at that. Which means that they are trying to fool themselves and others that they are devout. The realization that they do not practice what they preach is manifest in the realizations that rabbis are in it for the money. And that they are more abusive towards women and children than Catholic priests. It's all a lie. Their onerous and regimented lives, their restrictive and ignorant faith, their duplicitous and argumentative words, and their dour religious apparel. Rotten to the core. In their words and deeds, religious Jews have dishonored the name of God going so far as to not only misrepresent him in their Talmud, but erase his name from his Torah. And if that was not sufficiently deceptive, they called their Talmud the Torah. They do. And the next chapter of his Torah guidance and within... Kara 21 through 7. Yahweh stays on theme. This is what he said. Then Yahweh spoke to Moshe, which means to draw out, communicating to the children of Israel to say, any individual person among the people who engage and endure with God, including anyone of a different ethnicity, who is living as a guest within Israel, who offers any of his offspring or who sows something to Molech, a false god or king claiming the authority to rule, they will surely die. The people of the land should cover him with stones. I will also set my presence against that individual. I will cut him off and cut him out from the midst of the family because he has given some of his offspring to what he has sown to Molech, this false god and king claiming the authority to rule. And in so doing, that which is associated with my sanctuary as a special, separated, and set-apart place becomes sullied and defiled, in addition to dishonoring my set-apart, unique, and special name. I know a Molech, a leader, that the rabbis now are catering to for power and money. His name is Benjamin Netanyahu. They have not learned their lesson. When the religious claim to speak for God and yet contradict him, this is the case with Judaism. 
Christianity and Islam. They tarnish Yahweh's name and reputation. And since the Torah and prophets were presented through Yehudim Jews, when they sacrificed their children by encouraging them to demonstrate their allegiance to false prophets and wannabe kings, everything God reveals through Yisrael is solid is more than the Lord of the Ammonites. Uh, this name is based upon Malek, which denotes a man or a woman who claims the authority to rule as a king or queen. As such, this statement defines what the world is doing every day by turning children over to the false rhetoric of disingenuous leaders chasing after false gods. In this regard, Yahweh is warning us against tolerance and appeasement. Only takes one to ruin many lives. Religion is a particularly infectious disease. As I'm sharing this with you, I, I, I want to make certain that our listeners know. Um, I am not singling out Benjamin Netanyahu as the most awful of politicians. I think that he is a fairly successful but common politician. He would sell his soul for power. Uh, I despise the parliamentary system because it cobbles together governments based upon bribes. Um, the previous government of Bennett and the Lapid was a disaster in this regard. Um, you know, Lapid, who's was the outgoing prime minister, I think his party and his liberal politics received far less than 10% of the, uh, the vote in the last election. And yet he wants to claim that he's upholding democratic standards when a man that received less than 10% of the, the vote. In fact, he, his party barely got enough votes to, uh, to, to even be considered <laughs> credible. There's something yeah. desperately wrong with that. And, yeah. uh, and so we are opposed to all politicians, uh, liberal politicians typically more than conservative politicians, but religious politicians more than secular ones. It's all of them. Um, I happen to live on a island that's a, that has about the same population as you would witness at a basketball game, and it's turned upside down now by the world's most powerful politician who can't even act like uh, normal people when he comes to a place where no one really gives a hoot who he is. And yet uh, roads are closed and all access is closed and the airport is closed. Everything is shut down. While hundreds upon hundreds of secret service have descended on the islands and ships prowling the sea, this useless piece of trash alive. Now, I don't wish Bernie. any harm because if weekend at Bernie's were to end, then we would have the dumbest, most sinister person in the history of this com country at its helm. So, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm hoping he survives for the next uh, couple of years so we don't have to endure that fate. But kidding. understand, that does not make us pro-Trump because we're not. We're anti-politics, right. as is Yahweh. No. If the people of the earth act like hypocrites, and ignore or conceal this, shutting their eyes. Regarding a person like this, 
when he causes his child or something he has sown to honor Molech, a false god or king, political leader claiming the authority to rule, such that he is not dispatched and continues to live with them, then I will place my presence against that individual, his political, religious, and social group. I will banish them, severing them from among the family and people, among those who follow him into prostitution, feigning love for money, soliciting an unfaithful and inappropriate relationship by pursuing, even at a later time, Molech, this false god and political leader. Kara, 25. It is better that the one carrying the infectious disease is quarantined than to have the entire community get sick and die. When we support the first weed in the garden, we do not risk, or we do risk, losing the entire crop to the invasive threat. So continuing to denounce religion in the Torah and preach intolerance, Yahweh says, furthermore, the soul who turns to and approaches a medium, a psychic, with the idea of communicating with the dead or toward the one familiar with spirituality, to whore after them, I will place myself against that soul, and I will cut them off and separate them from among his people. Avoid outside influences so that you can be set apart and special, and then be separate and uncommon, unlike others. For indeed, I, Yahweh, am your God. Oh, and for the Jewish religious types, oh, we don't, we don't butts around with mediums. We don't, we're not into spirituality. Oh, they wouldn't say we're not into spirituality because they know it. The Zohar and Kabbalah are inseparable from rabbinic Judaism, and they are the spiritualism of the religion. It is a bunch of spiritualistic gobbledygook, just as we are reading here. And of course, even the word Zohar, guess where it comes? Ezekiel. That's where oh, it's presented. Yeah. And all of their symbols come from the presentation of Ezekiel's Lord, who is none other than Satan. But speaking of talking with the dead, rabbis will cite countless dead rabbis. They prove yeah. their point by citing all of the rabbis of the past voices of the dead. They also yes, travel to their graves. Oh, yeah. Oh, do they ever? Oh, yeah. The rabbi who is uh, thought to have been the, uh, no one actually believes that he is, well, I can't say believes. Everyone knows the Zohar was written in Spain in what, the, uh, the 12th century. That's the first evidence of it. The language itself of the Zohar is, has got uh, Spanish words, loan words, and, and the like in it. Uh, mm-hmm. But to give it the hint of credibility, it's like the book of Enoch. It wasn't written by Enoch. It wasn't even written within a thousand years of Enoch. Uh, but it's described to Enoch. Well, the, the Quran was prescribed uh, to a first century rabbi uh, to give it this hint of credibility. And they flocked to his grave uh, mm-hmm. like 
pilgrims going to the Kaaba and Mecca. <laughs> totally. It's, it's just, bad. oh, it's, and to see this mass of black mm-hmm. uh, go, going there, it's, um, it's just this massive plague of death, the black death of rabbinic Judaism. Um, but that is the, what God is speaking of. The, uh, this uh, speaking with the, uh, the dead, it is a dead ringer for uh, rabbinic Judaism. Yeah. Clearly, those, there is a direct correlation between prostitution and religion according to God. And that was the reason we turned to the Torah, wanting the assurance that we were correct. The institution that would claim that it is a moral bastion against prostitution and whores is leading the parade of harlots. Yahweh wanted the opposite for his people. He, his intent was for Yisrael to be separate and distinct from Gentile nations. God was appalled that human civilizations are defined by their religiosity. Huh. Look at Asher named Aster Asherah, mm-hmm. the goddess, mm-hmm. queen of heaven, mother of God, Don and child, basis of Easter. Look at Babylon from Babel, yeah. with the Lord, with Baal, Ba-Bel, the Hebrew basis for Bible, which means confusion through intermixing. Mitzrayim, the crucibles of religious and political persecution. Well, even the religious will denounce medium psychics and attempt to communicate with any attempts to communicate with the dead. Most venerate their perceived saints, their sages and prophets, revealing and reveling actually in their ancient pronouncements. And since these rituals are clearly religious, by defining and denouncing these practices, even the religious are seen tending towards what God is describing as satanic, occultish. Yes. Incidentally, since Yahweh distinguished his witness with his name, one of the earliest ways to determine if someone is speaking for God or for himself is to look for the divine stamp of approval and authenticity. You often, uh, you know, if you do not see Yahweh's name, for example, presented throughout the text, it was not inspired by God. This test, right. however, does not mean that just because you see Yahweh's name, it was inspired by God. For example, the book of Ezekiel, it is constantly littered with my Lord, and as I say, this is not him. It is Satan wanting to be perceived as Yahweh. But the lack of Yahweh's name is sufficient in itself to scrap the Christian New Testament, the Talmud, and the Quran. Every significant civilization in human history was overtly religious. That's how the civilizations were formed. That was their justification for imposing their caste system, for their king and queens claiming the authority to rule, for their armies to march, for the subjugation of others. The rulers always supported the priests, and the priests universally endorsed the political leaders. This was probably more evident in Egypt 
where they memorialized this in stone than in any other place. Mm-hmm. Even their militaries marched to the edicts of clerics and kings. And if all else fails, the leader simply claimed to be God. Look what happened in Imperial Rome. They all claimed to be God. Every Babylonian king claimed to be God. Every pharaoh claimed to be God. Yep. And they all imposed caste systems, limiting everyone else's freedom. Mm-hmm. Affording the people no choice in what to believe, where to live, or work. And these limitations are the ones that Yahweh detests. He is a libertarian. Man is not. Moreover, you should not follow in the customs and traditions of the Gentile nation, which for the benefit of the relationship I will send away before your appearance. This is because they have engaged in and done all of these things. And this is why I am disgusted by them. Therefore, I have promised you that you will inherit their soil. I am giving it to you as an inheritance. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. I, Yahweh, your God, who to show you the way to the benefits of the relationship separated you. I distinguished and I differentiated you from these people and their nations. I told you that God very seldom speaks to Koyim. But he speaks of them. And what he has to say of them is not good. Don't follow in their ways. God is disgusted by them. And yet, what have Jews done? They went to God and said, we want Saul to be our king like, well, the kings of all of the Gentile nations. Mm -hmm. And then they chose to be religious incorporating all the religious beliefs of all of the nations surrounding them. God's instructions, his intent are clear. Since he abhors the culture of man, which is universally religious, political, and materialistic, he wanted his people to be different. Israel was to be the shining example of a much better life without the controlling an oppressive influence of clerics and kings. It was to be like Hezekiah's experience with Chagmatza. Don't worry about defeating the Assyrians. I'll take care of that. Let's just have a good time together. We can party on, and I will take care of your foes. Wow. What a concept. What a concept. What a God. You don't worry about a thing yet. I used to have a father in high places. But for him to take care of his children, his children have to acknowledge their father. Therefore, you should be set apart and separated, special and distinct, to approach me. That means you should not be religious or political if you want to approach Yahweh, because I am set apart, special, unlike what is commonly perceived. Yes, Yahweh is very, very different than the gods of religion. And so I have separated you, differentiating you from these nations to be mine, to draw near and exist with me. Kara called out Leviticus 20.26. 
Yahweh concludes his call for his people to be set apart and uncommon and thus not religious. Reminding them that religion is deadly. The way of man is deadly. Civilizations have been disgusting, controlling, limiting, disorienting. As a result, when Israelites ignored this admonition and rejected their inheritance, God scolded his wayward children throughout the prophets. He would hold them accountable for the fate that they themselves had chosen. Yes, this long time out that is being pronounced throughout Hosha was conveyed quite concisely, thoroughly, dramatically, clearly in the Torah itself. This was Karat, the heart of the Torah, right in the middle of the Torah. The message of Hosha is not new. God had conveyed this message for 700 years before it was sent through Hosha. 700 years of God's people not listening to him. And he is exceedingly patient. He you know, began speaking to their forefathers, Abraham, Ishak, Sarah, um, and uh, Jacob, um, going back uh, nearly 2000 BCE, 1968 BCE is when the covenant was uh, affirmed with uh, Abraham. So going back really to 2000 BCE, Yahweh began talking with the family that would become Israel. And then in circa 1450 BCE, he not only liberated his people from Mitzrayim and from slavery, he offered them his Torah instructions, and he spent 40 years with them, walking from that corrupt place into the promised land. They got to know each other. And Yah revealed his guidance for living. And this is now 700 years, the book of Hosea, 700 years remote from that day. And he's still conveying the same message. And he would do so for another 300 years until about 450 BCE. That is a thousand years of a father reaching out to, trying to help and guide and instruct his children. And for a thousand years, virtually no one listened. And so that's the reason for the timeout. You had a thousand years. And then you would have 2,500 of complete silence that you brought upon yourself. Since we commenced our review of the fourth chapter of Hosha, well, no, uh, almost uh, an hour and a half ago, uh, let me share a, a, a quick review and then we'll move on. Listen to the word of Yahweh, children of Israel, for it is certain that Yahweh has a dispute and grievance against the inhabitants of the land and earth. This is because there is no honesty or integrity, no devotion or sense of loyalty, no understanding or even 
thoughtful insights pertaining to God in the land or on the earth. They have sanctioned the curse of Allah, bringing restrictions, bans, and punishments upon themselves, all based upon their oaths. They cringe in fear, balance submission, and are disowned for their deceptions because they have promoted lies while annulling their relationship by being delusional, resulting in them being oppressed, being malnourished, and sometimes starved as they are estranged. They will be murdered, and they are murderous, dashed by the sword and cut into pieces. They will steal, serotypically, poor learning, that which belongs to another. Then, by continually and demonstrably committing religious infidelity, they will break all bounds in diaspora, and they will be plagued by the shedding of copious amounts of blood. And this is the reason that the land will dry up. All who live within it, including the animals of the expansive region beyond and along with the birds of the sky and even the fish of the lakes, rivers, and seas, will have to fight for survival. Hosha 4.3. And as it has happened just that way throughout the entire region and for this very reason. Yet, no one should blame, plead, or quarrel with a lone individual. He should not make a practice of arguing with or judging a single person, an ish, one individual. This is because your people (coughs) are just like the argumentative (coughs) and contentious nature of the priest. Hosha 4.4. You know, they, the rabbis will preclude the uh, Herodim from engaging online, from calling people that could prove their religion as a fraud, for having access to the truth. They even demand that they have kosher phones. The kosher phones are restricted. Uh, keeping religious Jews in the dark. And yet they will send out their goons, the flying monkeys, to harass a voice that isn't afraid of them. So God says, and yes, no one should blame, plead with or quarrel with a lone individual. He should not make a practice of arguing with or judging a single person. And why is it a single person? Because we live in a world where for 2,700 years, God could find no one. And God typically works with one person at a time. And so since the wrong are those who are part of the many, and the right is singled out, special, distinct, set apart, different, he's saying that the many should never argue with a single person. Because the many are always wrong. Your people are the many. They are argumentative. They are contentious in nature. Now, I agree with you. And as it is with me, it is also a pet peeve for him. It is inappropriate to blame Nazi Germany, for example, solely on Hitler. 
the Soviet Union on Marx, Lenin, or Stalin, or communist China on Mao Zedong. Likewise, it is wrong to blame Judaism solely on Akiba, Christianity on Paul, or Islam on Muhammad. The invasions of Yahuda by Rome were not exclusively the fault of Vespasian or Hadrian. Many are required to start a religion, a revolution, or an invasion. And so from a modern perspective, Putin isn't even the lead culprit with regard to the war in Ukraine, although he is blamed 99.999% of the time. We are still broadcast, are still uh, recording, no longer uh, mm-hmm. broadcasting. Uh, uh, we can just spend a, a moment of, uh, of recap. Um, and pretty intense as, uh, as we go through and hear Yahweh uh, besmirch that which is common, that which is profane, that which is not set apart. And therefore, the things that are popular, men and women, single most popular thing worldwide with men and women is religion. The second most is politics. Yeah. And yet we think these are, are all positive things. That's what we've been trained to believe. But from God's point of view, then they are the, the most counterproductive to forming a relationship with him. Yes. It is surprising. I'm sure that if, if you were a, a Jewish individual and you're listening to this program for the first time and you, and you hear someone say that, that there's nothing that God despises more than Judaism, nothing that has harmed the Jewish people more than Judaism, uh, that it's, it's got to be shocking to the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet when you read the word of Yahweh, there's no denying it. When you look at the history of Jews, there's no denying it either. You know, even in the birth of Christianity, it would not Uh exist without Jews. Not only was the founder of the Christian religion, Jewish, Paul, he was a rabbinic student, claimed to be the best rabbinic student. He knew the Torah, prophets, and Psalms. He twisted them uh, almost expertly to uh, justify his religion. Yeah. It was really the rabbinic failure to recognize Yosha as the Passover lamb that allowed Christianity to take root. Yeah. It was rabbinic Judaism's failure to acknowledge that Dode is the returning Messiah and that according to Yahweh, Dode is the son of God that their failure to acknowledge this and to tell Christians that you are nuts, (laughs) this Jesus isn't the Christ. In fact, when you read the only pronouncement of of a Messiah in the ninth chapter of, of Daniel, it is not only presented by Dode, but it's about Dode. And it most certainly wasn't fulfilled 2,000 years ago. Right. And so why didn't the rabbis point this out? That the Passover lamb isn't the son of God. The Passover lamb isn't the Messiah. The Passover lamb isn't the shepherd. The Passover lamb is not resurrected. 
the Yosha, which means Yahweh saved, came to fulfill Esau. There's no religion in that. There's no Messiah. There's no Son of God. If they had simply known the truth, spoken the truth, there would have been no Christianity. Without Christianity, 2,000 years of subjugation in Europe and around the world would not have occurred. Matter of fact, if wasn't for uh, for rabbis responding improperly to the Passover lamb, the last two Roman invasions would not have occurred. Yeah, that's true. So Judaism is responsible for Christianity. Judaism is responsible for Islam. Judaism, of course, is responsible for Judaism, the three great menaces to humankind. Satan's most favorite faith. And they have one thing in common. And that is the destruction, the death, the demonization of Jews, the degradation of Jews, the separation of Jews from their God. So these are truths as profound as Yahweh's name. Profound is recognizing the Torah doesn't mean law, it means teaching and guidance. Right. No. As profound is the realization that God hates religion more than anything else. The realization that God does not want to be obeyed, He does not want to be worshipped, He has no interest in your prayers. All of that is a waste of time. In fact, it's counterproductive. God wants to lift his children up, not have his children lift him up. God wants us to listen to him, not Yabaret. God wants to be perceived as our Father, not as our Lord. God wishes to teach us, not boss us around. All of these things are so profound to know, so obvious to know, so intuitive. It's uh, Kirk, as as you began your Mm -hmm. walk with Yahweh, the first thing you said is, there is absolutely nothing this man is saying, and that was on a radio program probably 15 years ago now, that is inconsistent with what I know to be true. But now that I know it to be true, and I've heard him say it, and I verify that what he is saying can be proven. Started the quest. It started the quest for really everyone who is part of the covenant family now. Yeah. If you have walked away from religion and come to know that religion is corrupt and wrong and misleading, if you have walked away from your zeal for politics and know that they're all, both sides of the aisle are corrupt and misleading, and you hear someone speak as Yahweh speaks to us, it resonates. You just intuitively know it's true. Mm-hmm. And then when, when you find that it's all proven by God's testimony 
And that testimony is presented in a way that you can verify each word for yourself. That's the reason why we'd encourage you to go read the book, because you read the books, particularly online, you can, on any word, it's, every Hebrew word is put within the parenthetical that provides for the definition. Copy it and paste it yeah, into a search engine. Yeah, Verify that letter, our translations right are accurate. You. Because if they're accurate, yeah. inclusions are accurate. Mm-hmm. And they are. And we want nothing from you other than for you to have access to the truth. We want you certainly to consider the truth, and for that we have to expose and condemn religion and politics. But once you know that you can walk away from them and come to know Yahweh, our mission is just to provide Yahweh's testimony as he conveyed it. What you do with it is up to you. But we can certainly say, having, I've now lived this for 22 years with uh, Yahweh. He's fun to be around. He is uplifting. He is rewarding. He is liberating. He is enlightening. He is enriching. He's empowering. He's fun. He's consistent. He's reliable. He's relaxed. doesn't ask a lot from us is into giving more than he takes by a huge margin. It's a great relationship. And yet, it isn't one-sided because Yahweh gets a lot out of it. I think, uh, Kirk, you were studying uh, this week uh, Second Law of Thermodynamics. Mm -hmm. Second Law of Thermodynamics say that anything really left alone over uh, a period of time is going to dissolve. It's going to go into disarray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you were to take yeah. a deck of cards and drop them out of an airplane that were all ordered, by the time they hit the ground, they'll be unrecognizable. Yeah. Things go from order to disorder unless there is energy constantly infused into the system to, uh, to keep it vital. If you have a business yeah, and try. you go on, uh, on a long uh, recess, it will you have a relationship and you're not investing in it, it, um, it will also devolve. And Yahweh's covenant relationship is the same way. He's constantly putting his energy into it. And we contribute ours. Now, a relationship with God requires our work and Yahweh's response. Now, okay. God's going to create a new universe with us as participants because, again, it's things either grow or they die. That's the uh, it's a truth of the whole system. I, I think what you found, and you, you were fascinated by the second law of thermodynamics, is that the more mm-hmm. you understand the system of thermodynamics, yes. the better you understand the relationship that God is offering us and why it was so essential to tell Adam, even in the garden, we're going to work together on this. And while when Yahweh was freeing the Hebrews from Mitzrayim, Egypt, he didn't say, I'm freeing them to uh, eat bonbons uh, and, uh, in paradise. He says, no, I'm freeing them to work with me. Yeah. 
We have to make a, con- a contribution. We have to to invest in this relationship for it to have merit for us and for you. Makes the moment we stop investing, it, it begins to deteriorate. Thank All the conditions the, are active, active participation, mm-hmm. walking, yes. trusting, mm-hmm. considering, reading, participating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you've been more involved, uh, Dee, in the end what we are collectively doing together than at any time. You manage uh, the social media outreach, and, and, and uh, it's become branded with uh, Yada Yawa. I have mm-hmm. uh, composed with, uh, with a number of others uh, a, uh, a timeline, which will cert- soon be integrated into that. Um, and the more you invest in it, the more you get out of it. It's its own reward. I tell people all the time. Um, I'm. Yeah. I almost feel like I am on a payroll of insights. I get so much out of what I'm doing by participating that the yeah. reward is monumental. I, I never thought yes. it would be like this. Yeah, it Wonderful. gives you a, a great sense of purpose, of worth, of joy, totally, of, of belonging, mm-hmm. of loving, of caring, of growing, of security. Security, confidence. yes. Yeah, confidence, worth. It's a tremendous And it's uh, a benefit you can share with your whole yes. family. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and it's not only a benefit you can share with your whole family and others, the more who participate, the richer the experience is. Sure. And look at uh, all the friends I've made along the way. I mean, <laughs> I love Yas family, yes. all the people that I've met. Yes. It's, it's been a blast. Yeah. Totally. So we would encourage those of you who are listening, give you a chance. You'll like him. Uh, you know, and if you don't like what you uh, what you hear, then, uh, you know, you are free to make any choice that you want. And one of the great surprises and, uh, and, and yada yada is something that heretofore I don't think anyone had ever suggested or said, and yet it is such an essential insight into the relationship, something we learned really early on, almost 20 years ago, is that for those who choose to ignore Yahweh, to know nothing about his name, know nothing about the covenant relationship, who just either have no interest in him or want to be religious or political, that for those people... There is no punishment. There is no eternal hell. There is uh, nothing but you had, you were given your life as a great gift. You were given free yeah. will. You were, you were given a nasama, which is the conscience. Yeah. You were given the opportunity to study the Torah. The Torah, God's instructions were provided for you, but you chose to, to either ignore them or reject them. And God said, that's, that's your choice. No, no problem. The end of your life, your soul will simply cease to exist. No punishment, no reward. And yet, that's not taught by anybody. And yet, it's a seriously important part of Yahweh's testimony. It is only those who like rabbis and who like priests and who like a lot of politicians and and, uh, heads of of empires in the Mm -hmm. past that deliberately lead people astray or harm God's people, there is a place of recompense, uh, of consequence, a penalty for having done those things. And that place of penalty 
does not have fires. It doesn't have any tortures. It's just an eternity separated from God. It's called Sheol, known as hell. Who attend and reply to Yahweh 7, Moed Mikray, who are guided by his Torah, who love Yahweh's name, there is Shamaim. There is life in the covenant family. Yeah, um, food, all these feasts, such good food. You, yeah, you can't yeah, not enjoy yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so those, Starving those are the options, and they're all three of them, and, uh, and you, everybody gets, their, uh, gets a choice, and you, you get what you have chosen. All fair. And for those who are listening, we hope that you choose to listen to Yahweh. We choose to accept what he is offering and embrace what he is asking in return. Um, And now you know that the first thing, the prerequisite that Yahweh is requesting is you cease being religious, that you walk away from Babel, the takes on your life. And then because you're no longer relying on those things, do you walk to God through the Moed Mikre? particularly celebrating Chag Matzah and allow our Father to protect us and to perfect us so that he can not only make us immortal, but adopt us into his family. Um, that's the beginning of the path. Well, anyway, pleasure to be with you this evening. Um, yes. Love the, uh, the book of Hosha. It's a pleasure to get out of Ezekiel, <laughs> even if it's for a couple of hours. And uh, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing the new menorah shining brightly uh, on the Yada Yah homepage, which uh, it will uh, very shortly. So uh, thank you all. I love it. I appreciate you, uh, Kirk. I appreciate you, Dee. Um, Thank you, one and all. Uh, Have a wonderful Shabbat. Good night. Shalom. 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 Shalom.